Hello and welcome to JP Morgan Markets uh, and the JP Morgan Podcast. I'm Meera Chandan from the FX Strategy Team here in London, and I'm joined today by Ben Shadil, uh, who is in the FX Strategy Team in Tokyo. Uh, we're going to focus on the Japanese yen today. Uh, the yen has weakened uh, by more than any other currency in March. Uh, it's 6% uh, weaker versus the dollar month to date. Of course, uh, the speed with which this has unfolded is quite astounding, and we got to even weaker levels intra-month. Uh, so, Ben, uh, what do you attribute this move to, uh, and do you think that this move in dollar-yen will continue? Yeah, thanks, Mira, and th- thanks for having me on. So, look, I think there are, there are two broad macro themes that are being reflected in, in the move. There are two themes that we've been talking about for a while now. The first is policy divergence between the Fed and the BOJ and how that's being played out in terms of rates dif- differentials. Um, and the other is an erosion of Japan's trade balance um, because of the impact of, of higher commodity prices. So there's a clear sort of macro undertone to the move, but I'd say the, the near-term sharp price action that you alluded to has a bit more of a, a market flavor to it. Um, and I think what we've seen over the past couple of days, um, particularly heading into the end of the Japanese fiscal year, is a bit of a scramble from um, importers here who had to put on fresh hedges around the, the 120 level. So when that 120 level got taken out on dollar yen, um, you know, anecdotally, we saw a lot of, of hedging activity. So I'd make the point that what has been unusual about this, this move higher in dollar yen is that it's primarily taking place in, in the Tokyo session. So when we look at the split of trading sessions between Tokyo, London, and New York, almost 60% of the move through March has happened in, in the Japan time zone. Having said that, I think going forward, um, clearly U.S. yields are pretty much the, the, the main story here. We continue to like dollar-yen as a, a kind of a proxy for, for U.S. yields. Um, and Mira, maybe I can sort of flip it back to you in terms of, you know, what should we be thinking about what U.S. yields are going to do from here and, and how that impacts the outlook for FX? Thanks, Ben. Yes, we, you know, if you talk to our rate strategists and, you know, we've done some work around typically how interest rates behave around uh, the first Fed hike. I think when you look at all of that work in collective, uh, we think it's actually premature to call uh, to say that we've already reached peak Fed pricing. Specifically, uh, you know, in the latest publication that was released last Friday, we did some work around what usually happens to Fed pricing following the first Fed hike. And what we've seen in the last four hiking cycles, at least, is that peak pricing has not been reached for at least three quarters following the first Fed hike. So that's important to keep in mind. Interest rates usually keep rising after the the Fed has launched its uh, hiking cycle. Uh, And the second thing is that our U.S. rate strategists are still looking for yields to be heading higher for multiple reasons. Uh, You know, they think that U.S. policy rates may need to rise even more uh, to more restrictive levels than what's priced in right now. After all, forward real rates are still negative. They still point to highly accommodative policy in two to three years' times. And um, you know, if you take a look at intermediate treasuries, like the 10-year treasury, for example, uh, that still looks rich relative to fair value. Uh, so the expectation, at least on the US rate side of things, is for uh, looking, they're looking for two-year treasuries to get to at least 245. And uh, they think there are upside risks to that 250 um, uh, you know, U.S. ten-year uh, yield forecast. So, Ben, keeping that picture in mind, then I, is it fair to say that uh, that the expectation is for dollar yen to keep testing higher? So, look, each additional hike in the price um, between now and three years down the line is worth about two yen on the pair. 
So assuming we get, let's say, another hike, another 25 basis point hike being priced in, uh, if current beaters hold, dollar yen can move up another two yen. So in other words, it's not going to take much to get a move back into that kind of mid to high uh, 120s kind of a level. So back up to maybe testing that 125 level that, that we got to earlier in the week, assuming that we have further to run on um, on, on the, the, the Fed trajectory. I think there are views out in the market that, you know, potentially dollar yen can get as high as the 130s um, in, in this cycle. Um, you know, what would that take in terms of the rates outlook? We need something like four more hikes in the price. So terminal rate, maybe 100 basis points high, higher from here, um, or maybe the you know, equivalent to the, the US five-year in something like uh, reaching something like the mid 3% handle. So certainly not impossible. It's not our baseline for now, but I think you know, a move back into the mid to the high 120s certainly looks reasonable at this point. That's a good recap of the implications of uh, what the Fed pricing might do uh, to dollar yen. But what about what about the Japanese side of the equation? Is there a pain threshold here for either the MOF uh, or the BOJ uh, to, uh, to take some policy action? For example, is yield curve, letting yield curve control go an option for the BOJ or for the MOF? Is FX intervention a real option here? Yeah, I mean, those are all good questions. I think there are no lines in the sand, so to speak, but clearly the market focus has been on the prior cycle highs in dollar yen when we hit 125, 126 back in 2015. Um, you know, and Kuroda made comments that were later interpreted as, as a sort of a Kuroda line that he, he didn't want dollar yen higher than those levels. Um, that's our next threshold in terms of where I think you start to see the, the policy tone becoming a bit more, um, uh, you know, a bit more, a bit stronger over the dollar yen move. We've had comments to that effect over the past couple of days. Um, but ultimately, do we think that intervention is a viable option at this point in time? Um, the answer is no. And the reason for that is, is simply that there's recognition that the move in dollar yen has been fundamentally driven by and large. This is not a, a speculative attack on the yen. This is something that is reflecting, on the one hand, yield differentials, and on the other, um, an erosion in, in Japan's basic balance. In terms of the policy response, look, I think it's important to realize that there's a separation in terms of currency policy, which is the remit of the MOF, versus monetary policy, which, of course, is the remit of the BOJ. So the point here is that we could see further um, discomfort from, from the MOF, but will that ultimately spark a change in policy from the BOJ? At least for now, the, you know, the baseline view from our economists is, is not. Um, the question on yield curve control is an interesting one. Um, ultimately, something's got to give. If eventually we do get some relaxation on YCC, say the, the target say the target shifts from the 10-year to the five-year uh, five yield or the five-year part of the curve, what does that mean for dollar yen? Um, current beaters, you know, if JGB 10-year rises something like 20, 30 basis points, dollar yen maybe two, three yen knee-jerk lower. But do we think this is ultimately a, you know, a, um, a trigger for an inflection lower in dollar yen over the medium term? Probably not, given that we still have this very large divergence between the, the BOJ and the Fed policy paths. Thanks, Ben. So it sounds like uh, uh, in a scenario in which yield curve control is not going to be relaxed, the end is going to have to weaken more. Uh, and what we really need is maybe uh, for some of the pressure to come off yen for actually the yield curve control to uh, to be loosened a bit. Is that is that a fair way to think about the trade-off? 
I think that's right. I, you know, you can't simultaneously control both your currency and your yield curve, um, assuming that this this policy divergence between the you know the Fed and the and the BOJ persists. So our baseline is you know if, to the extent that U.S. yields have higher to go eventually, um, suit so too does dollar yen. So let, Mira, let let me turn it back to you at this point, um, given the discussion or the focus on U.S. yields. Um, you know, U.S. rates, particularly in the front end of the curve, have uh, have gone up a lot, but the broad dollar hasn't strengthened all that much. How do you reconcile that at this point in time? Yeah, sure, Ben. It's uh, that's probably the number one question we're getting right now in FX is that U.S. rates, uh, two-year Treasury yields, have basically tripled since the uh, start of the year. Uh, but uh, but if you take a look at uh, the broad dollar index, that's barely strengthened one percent. So. Uh, it does. It does seem like a bit of a disconnect uh, when you look at it from a top-down perspective. Uh, but you know that story changes if you start digging uh, more granularly. You know what we'd like to start by pointing out is that FX is usually about divergent stories. So you have to see not just what the Fed is doing in isolation, but rather what's happening in the global context. So while U.S. rates have gone up a lot, uh, you know, to, like I said, two-year rates have tripled. If we actually zoom out over the last six months and look at it in the global context, uh, this rate move is actually not that exceptional. Uh, interest rates in several countries have gone up by even more. Uh, that's been mostly EM-led, like Poland, Hungary, Brazil have all uh, experienced much larger increases in front-end rates. Um, and of course, if you keep other things in mind, like you know, that there's have been mitigating factors. So, uh, for example, U.S. real yields are still negative. Uh, of course, commodity prices are going up and they tend to boost uh, the terms of trade of high beta commodity exporters. That's a pretty substantial offset. Uh, and then external balances outside the U.S. were improving in any case. Uh, so, you know, things like Canada current balances of, uh, of high beta currencies are actually in pretty good shape and much better able to withstand any increases in U.S. rates. So there have been a variety of mitigating factors when you put it all together and you take a look at the broad dollar index versus interest rate differentials relative to the rest of the world. Uh, what we see is actually that the broad dollar index is more fairly valued. Uh, and uh, as far as the actual strategy is concerned, we are suggesting taking a less dollar index centric approach and focusing more on trading themes uh, that tend to be more granular. Thanks, Mira. Okay, why, why don't we finish up by discussing our, our main trading themes? We've had a long dollar yen in cash that has served us well, though we're not quite at the, the 5-6% PL we were a couple of days ago. Mira, what, what else are uh, you know, we flagging at this point? Sure, I'd say um, the three main trading themes, uh, the first one is higher US yields, staying positioned for that. And as you have uh, laid out, uh, Ben, uh, you know, positioning for higher dollar yen is probably the clearest and the best way uh, in our minds to position for this. So we're staying long of dollar yen. Uh, we're also recommending uh, positioning for softer euro block growth. Uh, substantial bit of that is in the price already, but there's an asymmetry around that uh, outlook that uh, that biases for still more downside on the euro block, particularly the commodity importers in the area like uh, the euro and sterling. We would be recommending shorts in those uh, versus the dollar. And the final point I'd say is uh, position, staying positioned for higher commodity prices. Uh, even if we do get a de-escalation uh, in the conflict, I don't think the sanctions are going away anytime soon. And commodity prices should still average at higher levels compared to three months ago levels. So we do think there's more upside in commodity currencies uh, like Noki and CAD in particular. 
so I'll uh, I'll stop there. And thanks very much for joining us today. Thanks, Mira. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Uh, please refer to JP Morgan Research reports uh, related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2022 JP Morgan Chase and Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on March 30th, 2022.